you might be wondering why there's a couch here up here. Well, you know, I thought, well, you shouldn't be the only ones who get to sleep during the sermon, you know. <laughs> that way I've got a place to go too. Anyway, today we, can, we continue our series called I Quit. I want to thank Life Church in Oklahoma. Uh, they've kind of let other churches like ours adapt it and kind of make our own use of a series like this. Uh, if I, you would pull out the outline that's in your bulletin. Uh, we're going to look at the top of that for right now. Uh, you'll see the, the verse of the month, Ephesians 4.29. And I, I believe that if you make this a part of your everyday routine, you read this, maybe even say it out loud, it's more impactful that way, God is going to change the way you talk. God is going to engage your mind, your spirit, before your words come out. So, Ephesians 4.29, I'd like for us all to say it together. You with me? All right, let's do it. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And today, we continue our series with I Quit Living in Fear. Now, the way I look at it, there are two different ways of, of looking at fear. First, uh, maybe you live in fear for good reason. Because you're being threatened, maybe you are being treated abusively at work or at home or at school, and because of that threat or because of that abuse, you live in fear. And if that's you, if you're being threatened or abused, I would say get out. Get help. Report it. If you need to, report it again. If you Leave if you have to. But tell yourself, God never intended for me to live in this kind of fear. That's one, that's one side of fear, isn't it? The other side is that we all face fears. We all do, all the time. Uh, I have a little bit of a fear of heights, although I can, I can climb ladders and do all that kind of stuff, but I, I do have a little bit of fear of heights. What drives that, though, is that I am terrified of falling. I'm absolutely terrified of falling. When I was a kid, I used to have recurring nightmares about it. Uh, I would fall from the top of tall buildings, or I would fall out of a tall tree, or I would fall out of an airplane. Um, I guess you could say I was falling asleep. <laughs> All right, there we go. And, and, and in my dreams, I, 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 went, I mean, I'm plummeting to the earth. I'm in full panic mode. And every time, just about the time I'm going to splat to the ground, I wake up. <gasps> you know, my pajamas were, were soaked in sweat. My heart is pounding. And sometimes I was afraid to go back to sleep, thinking I would have another nightmare. Uh, I remember a couple years ago, uh, I was visiting our son in Seattle, and uh, we went to see, I didn't know, I didn't know before we went it was going to be a zombie movie. I, you know, never been to, World War Z, anybody see that one? Yeah, a few of you did. Uh, well, anyway, there's a scene in there where uh, somehow because of a zombie, there's a big hole in the plane, and uh, people are getting sucked out of the airplane, Right? And a couple days later, uh, I have to get on a plane to go home. And so what am I thinking about? <laughs> I hope I don't get sucked out. 
And so I have to pray, okay, Lord, you know, and, and I have to, you know, kind of talk myself down. I remember that, okay, the pilots and the flight attendants, they spend their entire careers in airplanes and they never get sucked out. I'll be okay. Anybody afraid of spiders? All right. Anybody afraid of snakes? More, even more hands. Uh, any of you have claustrophobia? Yeah, you're sitting on an aisle. I think that's probably a good idea. Yeah. Um, anyway, th those are physical fears, but there's uh, another kind of fear. And it's not about critters or cramped quarters. Uh, and so you can see them on your outline. I've got a few of them mentioned here. You can just check all that apply. Uh, afraid of loss. Maybe losing your, your spouse, your house, your health, your hair. I don't know. Um, Anyone afraid of failure? That would be me. Uh, you know, of all the things that would keep me awake at night, underlying them, would, whether I would feel it or admit it or not, is probably this fear of failure. Uh, anyone afraid of rejection? That you'll be abandoned or betrayed, and, and because of that, maybe you're very slow to open up to people. Afraid you'll be rejected, or, or maybe you reject them before they have a chance to reject you. Fear of rejection. Another is the fear of the unknown. And so when we fear the other unknown, we may stay in a bad situation just because we'd rather, because it's familiar, better than the unknown. Uh, and I want you to know that these fears limit you. Um... Uh, They, these, these kind of fears, they, they hold you back. They, and, and I believe that God wants to liberate you from your fears. God's desire is that your life not be controlled by this fear. Now, you know, in the, in the issue of fairness, I think I, I also want to say that I believe that life with no fear is foolish. All right? For example... Uh, my parents taught me to fear and have a proper respect for electricity. When, if you come up to a high-voltage wire, don't stick your tongue on it just to prove you're not afraid. Be afraid. Be afraid and respect its power. And if you're filling out the outline this morning, here's where you can start filling in the blanks. I believe this. Life with no fear is fatal. Will you say that with me? Let's try it. Life with no fear is fatal. What I mean by that is if you're not, if you're not afraid to drive 90 miles an hour down Dodge Street, you're going to kill somebody, and maybe yourself included. Life with no fear is fatal. Now, this doesn't get talked about much, but we need to fear sin right? Sin destroys people. I fear how sin could destroy me, could destroy everything that, that I've worked for. Uh, I fear the damage that my sin could do not only to me but to other people. I, I'm, I've, I'm a, I fear what willful, selfish, rebellious sin could do to my soul, that it would kill my love for God 
John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, said that he wished he had a hundred people who would fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. Wow. Fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. He said it didn't matter if those hundred people were clergy or laity. He'd send them out to preach the gospel and they, God would use them to shake the gates of hell and bring the kingdom of heaven on earth. Life with no fear could be fatal. But at the same time, we find ourselves struggling against fears that, that hold us back, that consume us, that paralyze us. So I want to say this. Secondly, living in fear is bondage. Let's say that together, shall we? Living in fear is bondage. You, you are not meant to be a slave to fear. You are meant to live by faith. God wants to relieve you of your fears. In the Bible, who's the, uh, who's the uh, father of faith? Do you remember? Who's the father of faith? Yeah, Abraham. Uh, now, originally his name was Abram. And one day God speaks to Abram and tells him that he's going to make his descendants into a great nation, and one day they're going to bless all the peoples of the earth. Uh, so, and then God tells Abram, I need, but in order for that to happen, I need you to move. Move to Canaan. So Abram uh, moves to Canaan, and as it turns out, life is not easy in the promised land, but Abram hangs in there, but Abram is afraid. He's afraid because he's getting old, and he's afraid he'll die without leaving an heir. So God speaks to him. Genesis, 1, verse 15, uh, Genesis 15, verse 1 says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. Abram, I am your shield, your very great reward. And then, when God says that, Abram opens up about his fears. And God reassures him that he's going to keep his promise. And so Abram believes he has faith. He's no longer in bondage to that fear. So what makes you afraid? Where do you live in fear? You'll see there in the bullet in the outline, there's an unfinished sentence. I live in fear of blank. Go ahead, put something in. What comes to mind? What would that be? Maybe for some of you, you say, I, I'm afraid of being alone. And, uh, you know, that, that, that fear of being alone can actually make it worse because when that fear controls your life, it affects your relationships. And then you might find yourself more alone. You know, in a way, and maybe you hadn't really thought about it this way before, but, but fear, you can think about it as a kind of faith. So, so think about this. Living in fear is faith in the what-ifs. Faith in the what-ifs. What if I get audited? What if my kids start doing drugs? What if my spouse cheats on me? I mean, you start going through the what-ifs, and it is a bottomless pit, folks. 
It's going to suck you in. Several centuries after Abraham, uh, his descendants are now slaves in Egypt. God calls Moses to, to uh, go and set them free. And, uh, and Moses, <laughs> he starts doing the what ifs. Uh, he says, uh, well, what if I go to those people and they don't believe me? What, what if they don't listen to me? What if they say, the Lord didn't really talk to you? We don't believe it. What's Moses afraid of? He's afraid of rejection. He's afraid of failure. He's afraid of the unknown. A couple years ago, I met a farmer uh, here in Nebraska who raises organic vegetables. And young man, uh, dad with, with three little kids. And uh, actually, a few months after I visited with him, um, he was driving down the highway and he was stopping for a red light and the driver behind him didn't notice that he had, was stopping for that light and came up and just slammed into his car. And this young man's car was hit with such force that is his head bent the headrest back completely at a 90 degree angle. As you can imagine, it caused a spinal injury. Um, he has pretty much full use of his, his arms, but he has very little use of his legs now here a couple years later. And you know, you, you hear about those stories and they kind of strike a little terror in your heart, don't they? It does to me. What if? What if that's me? What if I'm in an accident and I'm paralyzed? Or, or what if Trish is in an accident and she's paralyzed? And I have to say, I don't know. I mean, anything could happen. Now, I believe God is faithful, but God's faithfulness is not about preventing every bad thing from happening, right? God's faithfulness is not about preventing illness, injury, or early death. L let, me, let me tell you about Judy. Uh, many, many years ago, Judy encouraged Trish to go out with me. Yay, Judy. <laughs> Anyway, interestingly, we, we returned the favor because we set up Judy and Matt on a blind date, and they ended up getting married. Uh, so fast forward 20-some years. In the summer of 2007, Judy was diagnosed with ALS. And so then in November, uh, Trish flew down to Florida to see her. And by then, Judy was pretty much in a wheelchair, uh, had not much control over her, over her body anymore. We've, we've got a picture on our fridge that shows uh, Judy and Matt and Trish from that trip. And of course, you know, she came home from that and, and told me all about it. And, and, uh, but there's one piece of it that just really has stuck in my mind. I just really, you know, that's been the top thing on the list from the, all those things and this she said Judy said God has been so good I wasn't expecting that here she is she knows she's dying not going to get to see her kids weddings she's been through so much but she said just smile on her face God has been so good.
Now, did she lament? Did she grieve? Did she, she, did she ask God why? Maybe she did, but by this time, she was already on the other side of that. And all that she was seeing is the goodness of God. As it turns out, Judy died later that year. Wasn't it the day after Christmas? Yeah. So I just want to say, anything could happen. We know that. But we are still not meant to live in fear. So instead of rehearsing all of the what-ifs, we need to learn a new language. We need to replace the what-ifs and say this. We learn a new conversation of trust. Uh, In the uh, scripture that Emma read for us a little bit ago, Psalm 56, I want to lift up verse 3. It says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. When I am afraid... I put my trust in you. Let's do it as sort of a uh, response. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Maybe you say, you know, I, I worry about my kids all the time. I worry about them every day. You know, what's going to happen to them? How are they going to turn out? You know, what about this thing I'm kind of worried about, about their health? How can I protect them? And, and, and what if they grow up and they don't like me? What is that? Fear of loss, fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of the unknown. Psalm 56.3, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. So say it and pray it today. And it's going to be, and it may be just going to be a little bitty step, but you're going to build on that. And say it and pray it again tomorrow. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. And if you do that over and over and over, God is going to speak to you. He's going to speak to your soul. And one day you're going to find that you are no longer controlled and consumed by that fear. If we're going to learn to trust and we learn to walk with the Lord on a daily basis. And so, as you head into the rest of today, as you head into the rest of this week, remember this, Jesus will walk with you through your fears. Jesus will walk with you through your fears. So I'm going to do a little bit more. I want you to repeat after me. There's nothing I will face without his care. There's nothing I will face without his guidance. There's nothing I will face without his power. There's nothing I will face without his comfort. Lately, I've been, I've been meditating on the 23rd Psalm. You know, kind of during those times where you're not having too much to think about. Maybe you're just kind of driving or maybe I'm on the treadmill. And in verse 4, the New International Version, it starts out, even though I walk through the darkest valley. Dark valley, that sounds kind of like it would be a scary place. You know, it's, it's dangerous. You never know what's lurking around the corner. And, and uh, it's, it, I mean, a dark valley, I mean, that's full of all kinds of what ifs. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Whatever dangers I face, 
I'm not alone, therefore I will fear no evil. Now, a lot of times in the Old Testament, the word evil means harm, all right? It means I will not fear the harm that could happen to me. And, then it, and also I am comforted. It says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What's a rod and staff? The rod is the shepherd's weapon. Fight off predators. His staff is the shepherd's crook, you know, kind of to pull you back when you wander off. What a comfort to know that Jesus is with me. He's fighting for me. He's guiding me. He's keeping me from wandering off. I'd like to uh, invite up um, three of our mission team members, if we could. Uh, Dawn and Sydney and uh, Carol, if you'd uh, come up and join me here a little bit. Very good. So they, they went to Costa Rica, uh, got back on May 1st, and uh, you know, you, you go to something like that with a little bit of apprehension. I think most of us would. So I'm curious, um, what were your fears? You know, as you're, you're signing up or you're getting ready to go, and what, what, what were you afraid of? Well, I battle an anxiety disorder anyway, so the trip as a whole was a big deal for me. Yeah. Um, but as a stay-at-home mom and a one-income family, um, I feared leaving my boys at home for a whole week, and I feared not being able to come up with the money just to go on the trip. So. Yeah. You know, I think I had two fears that really weighed on me, and... Uh, First was just the fear of, am I qualified to lead this trip? Um, I don't have any training. I don't have any background. The last mission trip I went on, I was a 17-year-old kid. I wasn't qualified. And uh, my other fear uh, is, is that fear of the unknown of if I go on this trip and, and see and experience this, how am I going to be changed? And not knowing what that would mean when I came back home. Mm -hmm. My biggest fear was um, would, I be, would I be able to contribute. Um, I'm not a teacher and I'm not a big craft person, so I didn't know what I was going to do. But, and also worried about, or was feared that I wouldn't be able to keep up with everyone and, and the kids in the class, you know, in the Bible study. But I want you to know that I won the certificate for the best dancer with children. Best <laughs> did anybody did anybody get any video of that? I'm curious. All right. It's on Carlos's Facebook page. Actually. Okay, very good. Now, uh, so you you kind of anticipating going, you had some of these fears, but you still went. So, how did you deal with those fears to keep you from backing out? Well, for me, when I accepted the job as missions director in August, I knew I was on board to go to Costa Rica. And uh, I had some time to sit with it and talk to God and keep working through it till we went. So I, yeah. I, I was required. <laughs> um, I had Jill Anderson sit with me before church one Sunday, and she assured me that 
There were real beds and real showers, and you could drink the water, and it was very comfortable. Yeah. So it, it, we didn't really have to rough it. Yeah. yeah. So you, you have that, you can face almost anything, right? <laughs> so, so you get to Costa Rica. I'm curious, what happened to all those things you were afraid of? Well, as soon as you step foot in Costa Rica, you are on Costa Rican time, and they have the saying, pura vida, means pure life, and it's just kind of the way they live, and so you're kind of taken in with that right away, and so you're able just to let go of things and be there and be in the moment. Yeah. You know, I think for me, um, once we met as our team of eight and we left and we, we started our travel, I was supported by the group. We had a wonderful team that had many different skills and different talents among us. And I think just that realization that I didn't need to figure out how to be everything to everyone, that thankfully, you know, we had folks that were wonderfully gifted with singing and other folks that were wonderfully gifted with people and others that, you know, could pray circles around. So once I had that realization that we were a team and that all of us would support each other throughout the course of the week, it became a lot easier to accept the role that I had and what my contribution would be, but that I didn't need to feel overwhelmed by yeah. everything that needed to be done. Yeah. And the children are so loving. Um, they just uh, accepted us. and um, I was worried about what we were going to do with them, with the crafts and, and things, but they just uh, liked us just to sit with them and, and play games with them. And um, that, it was just a fun time. Yeah, very good. Thank you all for sharing. I want to close with a little story. Um, it actually comes from Beth Moore. Um, so I've heard it from one of her books, although I've not read it, but I, it was shared by another pastor. And um, anyway, that, that, that Beth Moore's had a huge fear. And that was the fear of losing her husband. You know, she's thinking, you know, oh, what, what would I do? If, if he died, what, what would happen to me? And so she began to pray about it and, and, and seek the Lord and... and and bring this fear before him. And uh, so anyway, one particular day as she was praying, it's not as if God audibly answered from what I understand the story, but she just got this impression that God was speaking to her. And God said, well, what if? And she says, well, if, if my husband died, I mean... I would, he says, I, I would just go numb and, and, and my friends would just sort of have to, you know, walk me around and I'd just kind of get through the day and, and, and kind of get through the, the, the funeral in this, in this haze. And God said, yeah, and then what? And she says, well, I, I would probably just, you know, st stay at home and not get dressed for a month and just cry and cry and cry and cry and cry. And God says, yeah, and then what? He says, well, I, I would probably not get dressed for another month 
and I would cry and cry and cry and I would be devastated and I would just miss him so terribly. And God said, yeah, and then what? And she said, well, at some point I would probably begin to seek you again. And I would find that you are faithful. And I would know that you're going to help me go on with life. And God said, exactly. Exactly. So those what ifs, they're the conversation, the background in our heads all of the time, but we got to learn a new conversation. When I am afraid, I put my trust in God. We are going to be afraid. I mean, that's part of our natural fight and flight response, right? Under threat. But when it becomes a way of life, it's no good. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we, uh, we are afraid sometimes, and sometimes that fear just becomes overwhelming. It becomes toxic to us, becomes bondage to us. And so, Lord, we pray that you will speak to our hearts, you will reassure us, you will walk with us through those dark valleys, you will let us know that you are there with your rod and your staff to protect us, to comfort us, to guide us, to pull us back when we need it. Lord, so we just want to learn this new conversation, this new way of trusting you and, and kind of adopt it more and more so that, so that your presence is guiding and leading us and not our fears. And Lord, there might be some people here today who say, well, I, I don't even know Jesus. I don't even have that kind of relationship or connection with him to be able to say that he's walking with me. So if that's you today, but you feel like that's what you want, that you know that's what you need and what you want, then right now, I just want to pray for you. Lord, uh, come into that heart. Speak to that person. Let them know that you are there with them and that you are knocking on the door, that, that you are opening that heart and that you want to come and make their home in them. Oh, Lord, we pray that today will be a new start, a new beginning of walking with you, of trusting in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to stand now for our, uh, our closing, our blessing. If you would stand with me. And I want you to remember that uh, after the service, if you want to go talk to some of those who have been uh, in, on the Costa Rica trip, they've got a little table set up there. You know, it's not going to be too many more months and we're going to be talking about another trip. So it might be good just to have a little one-minute, two-minute conversation or even longer if you'd like to. In seven days, we're going to gather back here again. We're going to worship God with, for all we're worth. And over these next seven days... Fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. Will you join me as we say, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
You are not alone If you are lonely When you feel afraid You're not 